Good evening, City Light U. Let me just get all my Apple devices up here. Uh, great. Hey, band, let's give it up for the band real quick. Um, also, I kind of feel like this is kind of like a PC3 takeover because Michael Ross is normally hanging out with us on Thursday nights leading worship. I'm from PC3 and I'm preaching, and so take that, John Randall, because you'll hear that on the recording. Uh, but my name is McGill, and I get the pleasure of working over at Providence Church with the college ministry, PC3. And it is so good to be with you tonight. And because most of you probably don't know me, I'm just going to give you like my elevator testimony. And so you guys can kind of get an idea of who I am and like how I landed here. Uh, so my life began in the year 1991. On November 25th, I was born on that day, in case you were wondering, and uh, grew up in a Christian home, grew up here in Nebraska, but if you were to ask me, was I a Christian, I'd say, yeah, probably, and then if you actually pressed me and said, do you believe in Jesus, I'm like, yeah, why not, and then if you pressed me a little bit further and said, do you believe he died for your sins, I don't know, that sounds good, and then if you actually believe, like pushed in and said, do you actually live this out with your whole life, I would say, I don't know, all things in moderation, I suppose. And I grew up as a pretty good kid because I was kind of a Christian. And then uh, I had a whole bunch of stuff happen to me. I met Jesus, and he absolutely transformed my life. And when I say a bunch of stuff happened to me, I went into a bunch of really deep depression, had a bunch of surgeries, uh, got broken up with a couple times, and flunked out of college, and uh, ended my athletic career. And then, did I say I flunked out of college again? And then... A uh, whole boatload of stuff happened, and then I met Jesus. And it was, uh, did you, you guys have been to the Crew Winter Conference? Anybody been to Crew Winter Conference? Yeah, it, it is actually called DCC. They tried to rename it, but it's actually DCC. Because when I went to DCC, that's where the Lord met me. And uh, this guy, this worship leader, got up on the stage, and it was 12.01 in the morning in the year of our Lord, 2012. You guys don't watch near enough, like, fantasy movies to get that reference. All right, but in 2012, at 12.01 in the morning, the worship leader gets up and says, hey, I just want to create a space for you to invite Jesus into your life. And I'm like, what on earth are you talking about? And he goes, if you've never done that, then here's, here's your opportunity. And so I'm like, well, man, I've never invited Jesus into my life. And so I prayed, Jesus, come into my life. And in that moment, I was completely transformed. Because if my life was a house, then Jesus was kind of on my front porch all throughout my life. And, you know, I'd go out there and he'd help me make the outside of my house look good, uh, but he was not allowed inside. And it was January 1st at 12.01 in the morning in 2012 when I opened up the door and said, Jesus, come into my life. And he has been transforming it ever since. And as soon as I said yes to Jesus, that meant that I had to say no to a whole boatload of other stuff that I was doing. And it was really, really, really difficult. In fact, the most difficult years of my life happened after I was saved. The depth of my depression wasn't fully realized until I accepted Jesus into my life. Before Jesus, like I was a good student, kind of, and then I flunked out, and then, you know, you know what it was all about. I was a good athlete, and then, well, that was kind of taken from me too. And I was kind of well-respected by my peers, and then, I got into a whole bunch of party and all that sort of stuff. And so that kind of went down the wayside. Well, coming on the other side of Jesus, I was flunked out of college. 
I had no athletic career to hope in, and I had no friends. And so it's not like looking really good for me. But I went to church, I went to crew at the time, and uh, I actually got put into some leadership positions, and then the Lord uprooted me out of Lincoln, which is where I was going to college, and brought me back to Omaha. And it was about the time that City Light was being planted. And I had some connections from Lincoln that ended up here in Omaha, and um, Pastor Chris Ruska actually called me up and said, hey, I want you to come be a part of what we're doing here at City Light. And I said, all right, I got nothing better to do. I don't have many friends, and so this ought to work out great. And so I show up, and I meet Andrew Rutten, uh, who is the lead pastor over at Providence Church, and he's talking to me. He goes, hey, I, I got this vision. I got this vision for this college ministry. I'm like, all right, I'm in. Uh, that was literally all it took to convince me. It was just, hey, I got this vision. So I, I'm like, I'm in. And so we started praying and we started talking to people. We started gathering leaders. And then the next thing you know, that fall, we launched what is now City Like You. And what's really fun is I was there at the beginning of City Like You. My first real preaching reps were on the stage back there at the chapel. Was anybody back at the chapel back in the day? That one, two, three the president, of course you were. But those were my first reps. And then we got this big old building down here, and then uh, I actually preached on the stage. I used to stand right back there and play the bass guitar a whole bunch. Um, but since coming to know Jesus, I started off very, very, very lonely, afraid, and it was really difficult. But as I started to walk with Jesus and know his word and start to apply the word of God in my life, it began to transform. Now, it didn't transform because I started to get this knowledge of God's Word, although I did. My life began to transform because of what the Word of God did through me. The Word of God started to implant on my heart this idea of, man, I've got to get outside of myself. I've got to start making disciples. I've got to start evangelizing. I've got to start telling people about this hope that I have in Christ. Because I sure as heck don't have it in anything else. Because I was alone. I was flunked out of college. My athletic career was over. I had no hope of making it to the NFL. You guys can laugh. Like, there was literally never a point in my life where I had a chance to make it to the NFL. But what transformed me was Jesus working through his word, putting these things on my heart to then start making disciples of all the nations and going on mission trips. And pretty soon I'm dedicating my entire life and my entire career to work towards the things of God. And so City Like You gets off to a great start. We're running really, really hard, and it's really fun. And uh, the same, same guy, Andrew Rutten, he goes, hey, I got a vision. Let's plant a church. I'm like, man, we just did that. What are you talking about? He's like, we got to do another one. I'm like, what are you talking about? And he would show me in the Word. He'd say, man, people need to know Jesus, and the way that Jesus is made known is through the proclamation of his word. And we need new places to do that. So he's like, let's go plant a church. And so I'm thinking, all right, let's, we're going to California. We're going to Utah. We're going somewhere. And he's like, literally five blocks away. Let's go. I'm like, okay, let's go. And so we started uh, Providence Church and we launched PC3 as a result. But uh, what's been really interesting about all of this, my walk with Jesus through all of these times, through the depths of my depression, through the depths of my loneliness, it is his word that has gotten me through it. And so as we launch into this 
series of the doctrine of Scripture, it's really, really, really close to my heart. It's really, really close to my heart because it is the Scriptures that have actually led me to the source of life, and that's Jesus. And it's the Scriptures that have sustained me through the darkest moments in my life. And it's the Scriptures that then propel me forward in my career to do what God has called me to do and what he has called all of us to do. And there are a number of ways that we can start this series on the doctrine of Scripture. And we can approach, we can approach it from a stance of like apologetics where I try and prove to you the authenticity of the Scriptures. I can tell you that there are thousands of manuscripts and the the. Uh, the translation drift from the original text to today is less than 2%. And I could try and prove it to you all like that, but I'm actually not that eloquent or that smart to do that. But we can also approach it from like an equipping point of view where, you know, I, I try and teach you guys how to read your Bibles better, how to apply the Scriptures to your life, get into the hermeneutical study of God's Word. But I, I can't even spell hermeneutics, and so we're not going to do that either. So what are we going to do then? If our series is called The Doctrine of Scripture, what we're going to do is we're going to see what the Bible actually says about itself. And tonight I'm going to try and lay out what the, why the Bible was given to us and God's intention behind it. So we're going to be anchored primarily in two texts. We're going to be, uh, so if you have your Bibles, flip them open to Deuteronomy chapter 6. And that's going to be our first text. Our second text, so once you find Deuteronomy chapter 6, put your finger there, and then flip all the way to the back of the Bible to 2 Peter chapter 1. And then put a little bookmark there. So Deuteronomy 6 and 2 Peter 1. And in these two texts, we're going to see that the Word of God was given to us to reveal God's heart so that we can know him and make him known. Let me repeat that. The word of God was given to us to reveal God's heart so that we can know him and make him known. And City of IU, here's what's at stake if we miss this. If we miss the truth that God's word was given to us to reveal God's heart so that we can know him and make him known, if we miss that then we will go about our Christian lives ruled by the circumstances of life. And here's what I mean by that. If we miss God's heart revealed to us in the Scriptures, then when you are in the pit of your despair because your girlfriend just broke up with you and you were supposed to get married because you felt like God wrote it in the book of life that you two were supposed to get married and have a whole boatload of kids and then she dropped you like a three-foot putt If you don't know God's revealed heart for us in Scripture, then you are going to blame God for being a cruel and malicious deity, for not granting you the desires of your heart. Or another example, if you miss this, when all this time you've been studying to be this engineer, and you put in your application for that one job that God, you felt like God's been promising you for the entirety of your college career, and then you don't get it, and you have to do something that you didn't think you would ever do. Your heart's going to blame God for not honoring 
the plans that you have. Or if you miss it, if you miss this truth that God's heart is revealed in the Scripture, maybe something a little heavier, maybe your mom or dad gets diagnosed with cancer and has only six months to live. In that moment, if you don't know the heart of God revealed to us in the Scriptures so that we can know Him and make Him known, then we're going to get bitter towards God because He has thrown a wrench in your plan. If we miss the heart of God revealed to us in Scripture, then we are going to be ruled by the circumstances of life. But if we realize this truth, then we can approach the scriptures and see the incredible and precious promises, the very heart of God, and apply them to our lives and grow in our affections for our Creator. And so here's my main point that I want to drive home tonight. If God has revealed His heart in the scriptures, then we must know them in order to know God and make Him known. If God has revealed His heart in the scriptures, then we must know them in order to know him and make him known. I'm going to do that in two points. My first point is saturate. My second point is partake. First point is saturate. Second point is partake. So let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 6 verses 4 through 9. I'm going to pray and then we'll get into it. Lord, how magnificent is your word. It is true always. The very precious and very great promises that you reveal in it reveal to us your heart and lord it is your heart that we long to know so would you saturate us with your heart so that we can partake in the goodness of who you are so that we can make you known lord i pray that you would speak through me and that uh, tonight it would not just be another message that people listen to and then tune out but lord would you speak your words to your people tonight. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So let's look at point one, saturate. Picking up in verse four, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down. And when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and you shall be as, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So my first point is saturate. And here's why. Jesus identifies in the New Testament the greatest commandment as being to love the Lord with all your hearts. And Jesus is quoting this passage in Deuteronomy. And in this passage, we see this call to incorporate the Word of God into every facet of our lives. The Word of God is to be on our hearts. We should teach the words of God. We should talk about them with our children. We should walk with them. And even when we lie down at night or wake up in the morning, our lives are to be saturated with the Word of God. It is supposed to be so close to us that even our hands are bound with them. We're supposed to write them on our houses and wear them as glasses to see the world. Our whole lives are to be saturated in the Word of God, which then makes me ask the question, why? Why do we need to saturate our lives with the Word of God? 
And so let's just do a social experiment real quick. It's going to require some audience participation. I'm going to start a line, and I want you guys to either sing it or finish it, okay? Just a small town girl. Okay, uh, here's the next one. It's going to take a lot to get me away from you. Come on, keep going. Yep, that's good, that's good. All right. Okay, so. We will, we will. Okay, you got that one, you got one. All right, how about this one? Hey, I just met you, and this is crazy. All right, City Light, your lives are saturated by the world around us. Whether or not we know it, our hearts are shaped and saturated by our culture. You know the lyrics to these songs by heart because your hearts are saturated by the world. And our hearts are like sponges. They soak up anything around us. And if we're not diligent to saturate them in the Word of God, then they will soak up whatever the world has to offer. So let's look back at our text and see why we are supposed to saturate our hearts with the Word of God. Look back at verses 4 and 5. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. These two verses show us a few really cool things. And the first is that these verses actually show us how God identifies himself. The Lord, Yahweh, the God of the Bible, the creator of all things, the one who spoke the world into existence. The Lord is the God of Israel. You might be thinking, well, that's not all that interesting. Of course we know that. But very quickly, you and me, we aren't Jewish. You might be Jewish, but I'm certainly not. We're a room full of Gentiles. So we're not Israel. So does that mean God is not our God? But Israel then was God's people. And so for us Gentiles in the room, if we are in Christ, then we are a part of God's people. And so just a quick show of hands. Is anyone in Christ in this room? Great. Okay, so then this is for you. This passage is for you. The Lord is your God. That's amazing. Have you ever contemplated what that actually means? That the Lord is your God. The creator of all things has deemed you his people. That's incredible. And the second thing that this verse, uh, these verses show us is that our primary purpose as the people of God, the mission of our lives is to love the Lord with everything we got. Did you know that? Did you know that your purpose on this planet, if you are in Christ, is to love the Lord with all of your heart, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength? Well, if you didn't, now you do. That's a free gift from PC3. And then verses 6 through 9 then go on to show us how to love God with everything we have. And it's to saturate our lives in His Word. But why should you do that? 
If God is the God of his people, and we are his people, so therefore we should love God with all our hearts, and the way we do that is by saturating our lives with his word, why should we do that? Well, in the immediate context of Deuteronomy, it is so that it will go well for us. If you read on both sides of Deuteronomy chapter 6, you'll see this promise that if you obey the word of God, then it will go well for you. But there's something more at play in these verses. See, Deuteronomy is written to Israel after they were brought up out of Egypt. And if you go back and read the Exodus story, which I would really encourage you to do, you will find that the reason God brings Israel out of Egypt is so that the whole world would know that he is God. So the reason that God saves his people is so that every person would know the heart of God. So God gave us his word as if to say, this is who I am. And this is who you are, and this is what I care about. And if you are my people, this is what you now care about. Know my word so that you can know me and make me known. So the reason we are to saturate our hearts with the word of God is because his heart is revealed to us in his word. And our job then, if he is our God, our job then is to know him and make him known. Are you tracking with me? So this is where this lands for us. Our hearts are like sponges, right? They will soak up absolutely anything and everything around us, whether intentionally or unintentionally. Our hearts have been saturated with the heart of the world. And if you are a Christian in the room, your primary purpose on this planet is to love God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength. And the way that you do that is through knowing his word and to saturate your heart in it. So that when the circumstances of life come to you, you aren't relying on the rains down in Africa to bring you comfort. When your girlfriend or your boyfriend breaks up with you, If you are saturated in the Word of God, it is the very heart of God that brings you comfort. Not the lyrics of Carly Rae Jepsen. Or when tragedy strikes your family, the Creator of all things has given you His heart to carry you through that. Which will be a whole lot more effective than any anthem rock that you can come up with. So City Light, you, my hope and my prayer this evening is that you would intentionally saturate your heart with the Word of God so that you can know the heart of God and make Him known. You have unlimited and unrestricted access to the very heart of God at your fingertips. So saturate your lives in it. Because if you don't, then you will be relying on the rains down in Africa to bring you comfort at night. Which then leads me to my second point, partake. The reason my second point is called partake is because God has revealed his heart in his word, and he has given us his word as a gift. And if he has done that, then we ought to partake in it. It's pretty logical, right? 
So flip open to 2 Peter chapter 1, and we're going to be in verses 3 and 4. So let's read. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. So point two is partake. I'm just going to break this passage down a little chunk at, at a time. And so follow with me. It says, His divine power has granted, us, granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. God's divine power is, is an, actually an incredible concept to try and comprehend. And it's tied to the power that he used to create all things. And it's a broad term that encompasses a lot of things. But for our purposes tonight we are going to look at the divine power of God as being his heart. So God's divine power, or his heart for our purposes, has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. And godliness is essentially just being like God. So another way to rephrase that is, the key to life with God is his heart. So then how do we get this key? Well, if we keep reading, it says, Through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence. Through the knowledge of Him. Let's pause there for a quick second. Through the knowledge of Him. If the key to life itself is the heart of God, and then how do we get it? Well, we get it through the knowledge of Him. Well, how do we get to know Him? Through His Word. How do you get to know God? Through his word. That's how we acquire knowledge about God. But who is the him in this passage? Someone yell out the Sunday school answer. Yell it. Come on. Amen. Come on. Give that a clap. Who is the him in this passage? We're going to try this again. Who is the him in this passage? There we go. Thank you. Thank you. So we get the heart of God. We get the heart of God through knowing Jesus. To put it another way, the key to life with God is knowing Jesus. And like the great Billy Mays always said, but wait, there's more. You guys know who Billy Mays is? Okay, all right. But wait, there's more. Knowing Jesus, according to his word, is the key to living life with God. And by your knowledge of Jesus, you have been given the precious and very great promises of God. You've been given the precious and very great promises of God. There isn't enough time in the world to tell you all of the precious and very great promises of God, but can I tell you about one? God created all things. He spoke it into existence. And I'm not going to try and prove to you seven-day creation or a long creation. That, that's not what I'm talking about. God created all things by speaking it into existence. And he said that it was good. He created man and he created woman. And he said that it was good. 
And then man and woman, Adam and Eve, rebelled against their creator. And sin entered into the world and shattered that which was good. That's what we call the fall, the fall of man. And we all then have sinned and partaken in the fall of mankind. But in Genesis chapter 3, God makes a promise. He says that he's going to reverse the effects of sin. And you go back and read chapter 3 if you want, but in there you will find that God is going to reverse the effects of sin. And the effects of sin is death and separation from life itself. And so God promised all the way back in Genesis chapter 3 that he was going to reverse death itself and reverse the effects of sin. And then thousands of years pass. And we're wondering, is God ever going to redeem the rebellion of mankind? Well, then he did. Okay, I need a Sunday school answer again. Who did he do it in? Jesus! Jesus came onto the scene. The fullness of deity dwelled bodily. The fullness of who God is, the very heart of God himself was made known among us. And we can know about him. We can actually learn about him. And according to this, we can actually partake in the very heart of of God because Christ has redeemed our rebellion. And so this is where this lands for us today. You have been granted access to the very power of God through his word. But don't hear me wrongly when I say that. I did not say that the Bible is the very power of God. No, I said you have been granted access to the very power of God through his word. Just a couple books before second peter and uh the book of john chapter 5 verses 39 and 40 jesus is talking to people who prided themselves on knowing the scriptures and this is what he says to him i think we'll have it on the screens jesus says you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life and it is they that bear witness about me yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life See, like you, the power, you have access is not some, access to is not some sort of spiritual upgrade that makes you better or smarter. You have access to a relationship with the very one who stared death in its face and walked through it triumphantly, bringing you with him. You have access to a relationship with Jesus, to God himself, to the very heart of God. And here's what I mean by that. If you are a Christian, then you have a restored relationship with God Almighty. And to not partake in that relationship is ridiculous. It would be like when I got married to my wife Maddie, who I I hope you all get to meet one day because she is absolutely incredible. But it would be like, on our wedding day, we get married, we both say, I do, and then that's the last time I talk to her for the rest of my life. Do you know how ridiculous that sounds? Like, this is the most amazing person on the planet. 
Jesus would be, but he left earth, and so now I have Maddie, and she's the best person on the planet. To not partake in the relationship that you have access with Christ is like me never, ever talking to my, mom, to my wife again, or my mom. Not the same person. Not the same person. The absurdity that we have been granted the very heart of God in his scriptures and not partake in them is ludicrous. So city like you, saturate yourselves in the very heart of God and partake in the relationship that you have been granted access to. Meditate on his word day and night. Read the precious and very great promises. Know that the Lord is your God and love him with your whole heart so that you can know him and make him known. If you don't know how to do that or if you've never done that before, then please come talk to me or talk to Mel or talk to anybody on staff here at City Light U, or at City Light, or your neighbor next to you. I want to invite you to partake in the very heart of God himself. And it will transform your life. I can promise you that. Let me pray. Lord, your word is true, and it is good. It's amazing that you have granted us access to your very heart. What an incredible concept, Lord. But it's real. It's not just head knowledge. It's not just learning more facts about you. But, Lord, it is actually entering into a dialogue with you to learn about your very precious and very great promises. So, Lord, help us saturate our hearts with your heart. Help us pursue your son, Jesus. So that when the circumstances of life come to us, we don't rely on some 80s song or some pop song to try and get us through it, but that we would have the very heart of you to guide us. Lord, help us be obedient to your word. Help us know your word, saturate our lives in it. Lord, we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.